Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Uh, beautiful Christmas decorations. We're going to start Christmas next week. But uh, we've got one more to go in the Grace It's Not Fair series. Uh, I've called this one Divine Deliverance for hopefully reasons that will be obvious. But uh, if it's not, we're in trouble. Um, but I, pro- I promised Pastor Carl I would try and do a, a, a feeler sermon, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very kind of cerebral type person. And, uh, and you know, there's some people that kind of navigate the world kind of predominantly by how they feel. You know, how you feel your way through. You have, a, you know, an emotional response is how you do life. I am not that person. I am like 100% cerebral. I, I do have emotions. I, my wife printed me a color chart with all the emotions on it so I could point to them. That's how bad it can be sometimes. So, so this might be a train wreck. I'm just trying to get you ready for that. Because who knows what's going to happen here. But I thought uh, just because of that, I better start with a joke. So uh, who was the worst lawbreaker, like the biggest commandment breaker, the servant of God in the Bible who was the worst lawbreaker? Who do you think that was? It was Moses. He broke all ten at once. All right. I think somebody booed. I think that actually happened. It's probably my wife. All right. Uh, okay, one more. Why, uh, why can't Jesus wear jewelry? Why can't Jesus wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain. Come on, that's good at least, right? At least that one was good. All right, well, believe it or not, we're going to come back and talk about Jesus a little bit, and uh, we might revisit Moses a little bit as well, but I thought let's start off with that, because who knows what's going to happen here. All right, so Pastor Carl, just a little recap. We started this whole series, Grace, It's Not Fair, and uh, if you don't know, life sometimes isn't fair. Yeah? Sometimes things happen in the world that aren't fair. Sometimes you go through stuff that's not fair. But the grace of God is also not fair. The grace of God sustains us in moments of unfairness and injustice and when we don't feel like we're getting what we should get. But also the grace of God isn't fair. Like I get stuff that I don't deserve. God has just absolutely loaded me with benefits that I've done absolutely nothing to qualify for. All I did was say yes to his son. All I did is say, yes, Jesus, wow, you love me that much? Okay. And along with Christ, I got everything else. Doesn't that say that in the Bible, right? God showed how much he loved us, he died for us, and and along with his son, how much more will he not also freely give us all things? It's good news. So we looked in the first week, divine detours. We are looking at this idea of grace. It's not fair. And we saw that in week one there, Pastor Carl told the story of the woman at the well. Jesus went on this detour. Instead of following the typical path that the Israelites would have gone through to go to the north of Israel, he actually went through Samaria. And the troubling thing about that for his disciples was that in his day, you wouldn't, first of all, you wouldn't talk to a woman if you were a man. And second of all, you definitely wouldn't talk to a Samaritan. But a Samaritan woman, good night. That's just bad news. You just wouldn't do that. So we saw in week one, Pastor Carl told us, you know, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to end up going into situations that you'd rather avoid and approaching circumstances that you just don't understand. 
And the disciples, if they were to follow Jesus and go into Samaria with Jesus, their religion, everything about what they believed growing up, everything that they'd been taught was completely challenged and offended. Like they, they were put in a real moral dilemma. Like, oh my goodness, do I follow Jesus and break my religion? Like they're, they're, for religious reasons, they didn't associate with, the, with, the, with women or with Samaritans. Like this was a national religious thing. They actually got put in a really tight spot where their own sense of morality was questioned by following Jesus. Imagine that. So we find ourselves in these situations when we follow Jesus. And sometimes we are like, man, it's not fair, Jesus, that you love this woman. But because he was willing to step past the, the confines and the constructs and the prejudice and the religion of the day and go meet this woman, this woman had an encounter with God that so radically changed her and set her free. She went, ran into a village and the whole village got saved. And there was a massive citywide revival because Jesus was willing to take that detour, confront something that his disciples didn't understand and didn't like, and that his religion said, that's actually against the law. Don't do it. But he did it. Divine detour. Week two, we looked at divine interruptions. We looked how God's mercy interrupts our religion. It interrupts what we think should happen and shouldn't happen and who we think it should or shouldn't happen to. So we, talked, we saw how uh, Pastor Carl was talking about Jesus walking down the street, looks up, sees Zacchaeus in the, in the tree, and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, I got to go to your house. And everybody's like, what? Like Jesus just interrupted this parade for that guy? And now he's going to go to his house. Like this guy was not, he wasn't just bad. He was chief bad. He was a chief tax collector. He was the worst of the worst of the worst. And here Jesus is saying, you know what? <laughs> My mercy, it's going to interrupt all your expectations. It's going to interrupt you. It's going to interrupt your day. It's going to interrupt what you think you're doing, what you think I'm all about. And it's going to interrupt my mercy and who you think I should give it to. So when then we talked about the parable of the laborers in the field, and, and some people got hired at 9 o'clock to work till 5. Some got hired at 12. Some got hired at 4. The day ended at 5, and the guy paid them all the exact same. And the guys were like, the guys who started at 9, the guys who started at 12, they're like, that's not fair. And Jesus says, you know what, doesn't that guy have the right to do what he wants with his own stuff? And the, the mercy of God, the grace of God, just totally interrupts our sense of who we think should have what. Because Jesus says, I'm the one in charge of mercy. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It's good news, because I think I'm in the four o'clock category. <laughs> we got divine paradoxes, like Madeline alluded to. And uh, we talked about last week how life and circumstance sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, often seem to contradict the promises of God and his word. Who can identify with that? I mean, you've got a word over your life, there's a promise in the Bible, and you're like, yes, please, I'll take some of that, and then the exact opposite happens. Or you're like, man, I'm standing on the promises of God for this, and something else is manifesting in your life at the same time. Or there's the paradox that Madeline talked about. Paul said, you know what, I'd rather, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. Paul had something evil going on. He had a messenger from Satan buffeting him and, and beating him up and causing all sorts of trouble for him. Three times, the Bible says, Paul asked Jesus to remove this out of his life. And three times, Jesus said, actually, nope. I'm actually not going to do that. Why? Because my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul learned how to say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. What a paradox, eh? And it made me think, how much performance religion... How much, how much of our culture, never mind religion, is built right now on the premise of, I need to get stronger. I need to eliminate my weakness. I need to hide my weakness. I need to grow past my weakness. But rather, we got Paul saying, you know what? Forget that. I'd rather boast in my weaknesses, that the power of Christ might rest on me. 
Now, that's not we're going to celebrate weakness and just run around, you know, with train wrecks of lives, but it's being willing to say, you know what, I don't in myself have the resources to deal with this, and that's okay, because when I realize that, I acknowledge it, and I open my heart up to the power of God in my life, and all of a sudden, I have access to outcomes that are far greater than what I could produce by myself. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I'm not going to run from my weaknesses. I'm not going to try to hide from them. I'm going to embrace them. I'm going to embrace the power of God on my life because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That, that's a paradox. That's a grace. It's not fair, but I will take it. So today we're going to talk about divine deliverance. And like I said, this, this might be hard to hear, but I mean, I think we all know this, but life can be tough. Life can be unfair, right? I, ho I hope we're okay with that. It's a hard reality of life. Um, sometimes, uh, uh, perhaps even, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to be real here, perhaps my, my generation and younger, there's, a, there's a, uh, a belief and expectation that if everything's not given to me immediately, right away and easy, and in the exact same measure, the exact same way as everybody else, then there's something wrong, and I've been treated unfair. For others still, sometimes, and this can be very confusing, I believe in the power of God. I believe in the promises of God. I know that you guys do too. And one of the confusing things can be sometimes we can get sidetracked by difficulty and believe that difficult, we are somehow exempt from it because of our faith. And then life hits you in the face, kicks you in the butt. Bam! Here's some difficulty. Here's some COVID. Here's some trouble. Here's some personal relationship problem that you've got nothing to do with and you can't help it, but somebody else has turned on you. Who knows? These kind of things happen in life. I hope that's not news to anybody. Now look at this, Acts chapter 14. The Apostle Paul, he's gone out, verse 21, 22. He's gone out, he's been a successful missionary. He's gone to, the, to, to preach the gospel. He's made many, many disciples. They return to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And this is what he does after a successful mission trip. He comes back, and it says he strengthened the souls of the disciples, and this is how he did it. He exhorted them to continue in the faith by saying this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. I don't like that. That doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? But here, look at this. He's strengthening the souls of the, of the disciples by saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. Now, that word must in Greek, it's die. And what it means is tribulation is inevitable. It's necessary. It's almost required. And what I think he means by this is we don't enter the kingdom by what we suffer. We obviously enter the kingdom by what Jesus suffered. That's why he's encouraging them to keep the faith. But he's strengthening them. He's preparing them. He's helping them to get ready for this. Because if you're going to manifest and enter into the experienced reality of the kingdom of God, not just possess it, but manifest it and demonstrate it, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, and I'm going to start to manifest it and express it in a broken world, I'm going to run up against opposition. When the perfection of the heavenly kingdom of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ wants to manifest itself in and through my life, and I say yes, and I'm all in, you know what happens in a broken and a fallen world? There's friction. There's tension. There's pressure. There's, there's things bumping up against each other. That, that is real. That, that's a thing. That, that's a normal thing to expect in the life of a believer. Jesus put it this way, John 16, he said, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you ha may have peace. So here, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm telling it to you because I want you to have peace. <laughs> How's this for an encouraging word? In the world, you will have tribulation. The situation you're in is not fair. 
But also, the grace of God that's going to take you out of it is not fair either. So you got to have hope. You got to stay in hope. You can bound, abound in hope by the power of God. Hope is a big deal. So that's what I want to leave you with today. Grace, it's not fair. I just want to talk to you about hope for a couple minutes. Hope is so, so, so important. Hope, just a little acronym for you. Hope is healthy. It's opportunistic. It's practical. And it leads to a better experience. So hope is healthy. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you live with hope deferred, in other words, you're hoping for something, but you, or you've lost your hope, or you just, you kind of give up. You're like, yeah, all right, yeah, I guess that might happen one day. But deep down, you're kind of like, nah, it's been too long. Circumstances look too tough. It, it just looks too difficult. It's not going to happen. That's hope deferred, and it will make you sick. You'll, you'll end up sick in the head with depression, despair, discouragement, disillusionment, all the disses. It's bad for you. Hope, uh, hopelessness will do that for you. If you don't believe in God's grace and his deliverance, these things and the internal pressure they create within you will cause you to cry out, it's not fair, and the pain of it will debilitate you and bring you down. The Israelites had another experience where they were kind of stuck. Uh, later on in the story, they get to, uh, they're, they're walking through the wilderness. Now imagine this. I think some people have said up to 3 million people walking through the desert, kicking up the dust, hitting dust in each other's mouths and stuff. And uh, they've gone three days now with no water. Three days with nothing to drink. They're on the verge of dehydration. They're on the verge of dying. And they finally find some water. This whole great company gets up to the water. And then they get to the water and they find out that it's actually poisoned. It's bitter. It's bitter water. It'll kill them if they drink it, but they're desperate for a drink. And they start to complain and grumble again. And God says to Moses, hey, Moses, you know what? Go cut down that tree. Get the wood. Cut down the tree and throw it into the bitter waters. And when you throw it into the bitter waters, the bitter waters will be made sweet. The poison will be gone and you'll be able to drink it and live. Sometimes you can find yourself locked in a situation and the pain of it's not fair. The pain and the pressure you feel cause you to cry out. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't acknowledge it, if you don't process it with Jesus, you'll end up in a place of bitterness. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But you know what? The solution was the same for us as it was for the Israelites. He took the wood, he took the tree, he took the cross, and he threw it in the bitter waters, and the bitter waters got made sweet. And you know what? It was at that place. It was at the place where they were able to take the cross and throw it into the bitterness, where you're able to bring your difficulty, your pain, your emotional stress and pressure, that when you're able to bring the difficulty of your, your locked-in situation, when you're able to introduce that to the power of God at the cross of Jesus Christ, that's where healing happens. That's where the bitterness in your life gets turned into something sweet. And you know what? It's at that place. It's at the place of the bitter waters of Merah, where the, the, the tree was thrown into the wood, where God made a covenant with the Israelite people. And he said, you know what? I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God who heals you. It's at that place where the healing took place. Hope is healthy. Bitterness is unhealthy. Internal angst is not healthy. But I'm telling you, if you can see Jesus, if you can just look at the cross, you're going to live. If you can just look at the cross, if you can see the grace of God manifested at the cross, the love of God that says, look at the great lengths I've gone to deliver you, surely I'm going to get you out of it. If you ever question it, if you ever doubt it, look at the cross. Look at the lengths I've gone to set you free. Look at the lengths I've gone to to bring you into something better. Look at the cross and live. Just trust. Trust me. Believe me, if you can do that, I'm telling you, those things that are sources of bitterness and emotional problems on the inside of you are going to get turned around, and you're going to experience healing. Hope is healthy.
hope is healthy. Romans 15, 13, we'll come back to this too, but it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, hope, it's, it's opportunistic. I honestly believe if you live with a hopeful mindset, if you have a hopeful attitude, a hopeful spirit, you're going to see opportunity where others see failure, dead ends, and chaos. If you live with hope, you're going to see opportunity. You're going to see it. Other people won't. It's something that you can only see if you're looking for it. So you need this, 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 this disposition of hope. You need to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost so you can see the opportunities around you. See, the Israelite people, they saw that they were stuck. Red Sea in front. Uh-oh, wilderness on both sides. God said, don't go that way. Uh, wow, the Egyptians are coming on up behind us. We're stuck. We're trapped. We're in trouble. We're doomed. And you know what God saw? He said, I'm going to gain honor over Pharaoh and all of his armies that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Isn't that amazing? God saw an opportunity. He said, you know what? All those things that are chasing you, you feel like you're locked down, but guess what? All those things that are chasing you, I got them right where I want them. There was a, a, an American general in the world, world War II. It might even have been at Bastogne. I'm not sure. But uh, the, he comes, he gets a report, and they say, wow, you know what? We're surrounded. We're completely surrounded. We're totally cut off. You know what he said? Awesome. We got him right where we want him, attacking every direction. Wow. How's that for perspective? God saw an opportunity. Paul, there was a time where he was locked up in prison. I mean, he was literally locked down. Like he was he, he house arrest or jail, whatever, in Rome. You can't go anywhere. Sorry, buddy. You are locked up. Probably not the thing you need to hear if you're a traveling missionary and apostle. Sorry, you can't go anywhere. Not what he wanted to hear. 2 Timothy 2, 9-10, he says, And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering, and I've been chained like a criminal. Isn't that interesting? Because I preach the good news, I'm suffering. In other words, I'm not suffering because, you know, uh, I did something evil, or God's trying to teach me a lesson. He's saying, I'm suffering because I'm in the will of God. I'm doing what God asked me to do. In this world, you will have tribulations. He who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's just when you manifest light in the midst of darkness, it's going to provoke a reaction. You got to be ready for it. You got to be prepared for it. Because whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. Be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. Paul knew that. Paul lived with hope. So you know what Paul does when he's locked down in prison? He says this, I might be chained like an animal or like a criminal, but guess what? The word of God cannot be chained. And you know what he did? From that prison cell, he wrote seven books of the Bible that 2,000 years later, we're still reading, studying, being blessed from, and the life of God is imparting life to people, and people are being born again by reading things that this man did and wrote when he was locked up. Isn't that amazing? I, I, lo I love, you know, this place under the leadership of Pastor Carl, Pastor Cheryl. Wow, we've, we've, we've adapted. We've found ways to get the word out. We might be locked down. The word of God's not locked up. We've got ministries like Brother Joshua's there. They're, they're locked down, but adapted. And the word of God is not chained, and it's still going out there. There's ways to do things in life. You know, if you're, if you're hopeful, you see opportunities where others see dead ends, chaos, frustration, and you're ready to act. Seven books of the Bible locked up. Eternal fruit for over 2,000 years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Hope, number, number three here. Hope, it's practical. See, hope is, is so much more than just sitting back and waiting and wishing for a solution. If you got genuine, the hope of God is alive in your heart. It inspires engagement. 
See, God, it's funny, God promised the Israelites, he says, stand still, you're going to see the salvation of your God, the Lord will fight for you. He gives them this amazing promise, by, the, by my grace, I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to set you free, awesome. They're like, okay, all right, if they believed it, they were like, amazing, God is going to come through for us, he's going to fight our battles for us, this is amazing stuff, they had so much hope. And then in the very next verse, he says to Moses, Moses, why are you crying out to me? In other words, Moses, I gave you these promises. Why are you praying? Isn't that funny? God actually says to Moses, why are you praying? Crazy. He's got a promise. He's got grace. God says, why are you praying out to me? You raise your staff. Remember that staff I gave you, Moses? Remember that thing you threw on the ground? It turned into a snake, and then you picked it back up, and you wowed all the, everybody, and it's just the, the rod of authority. Remember that thing I gave you and I put in your hand? You raise that thing. You stretch out your hand over the sea to divide it so that the Israelites can go through. God puts it back on him. Crazy. God gave him so much hope, and hope is meant to empower engagement, not to cause us to sit back passively by I mean, you got the hope of God. It stirs you. It inspires you. It makes you want to go. I mean, the hope of God is going to fan into flame the gifts that God's given you, the things that he's put in your life and in your heart. You live with hope, and this, this is going to be just coming out of you. What's in your hand? <laughs> Madeline said that, didn't she? What's in your hand? If you got the hope of God in your life, it's, the hope of God is going to encourage you to pick it back up. Look at it again. Put it into action. And get yourself back in the game with a renewed passion. Hope doesn't just sit back and say, man, I hope everything's going to work out. I wish it does. That's not hope. The hope of God is very, very engaged, very powerful, very active. And finally, the hope of God, it leads to a better experience. It leads to something practical that gets worked out in my life. See, hope is real. It's tangible, and it's rooted in the real tangible love of God. And it has the promise of real breakthrough in our lives and in our experiences. See, what kind of hope would it be if there was no, no, no actual belief or even chance that this stuff is ever going to happen? That's, that's what Karl Marx said the problem with religion was. It was the opiate of the people. It, it would just delude you. It would just numb you. Right? But the hope of God, it, it enlivens you. It, may, it quickens you. Romans 5, verse 1 to 5 says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Good news, right? Remember Jesus, I've told you this stuff for the sake of peace. Moses told the Israelites, be in peace. If you're going through difficulty right now, if you feel like you're in that situation where you're experiencing tribulation, uh, take this to heart. You have with peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not evidence that something's wrong in your relationship with God. It's life. It's the devil. It's not because you don't have peace with God. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's through him that we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Remember grace? It's not fair. If you're in the, in the midst of a, of a trying, tough situation, let it be the grace of God in which you're standing. We have access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. See, grace is not fair. If you're looking to dig yourself out of a hole, dig yourself out of a trap, get yourself out, quit it. Really, just trust in the grace of God and, and the wisdom of God, the solution of God, the power of God, the authority of God, the help of the helper is going to manifest in your life. But it's hard to trust and do at the same time. 
And because of this, because we have access by faith into the grace in which we now stand, we boast and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What a hope, eh? Not only this, he says, but we also glory in our sufferings. There's that crazy Paul again going off about glorying and celebrating his weaknesses. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Here's the thing about that. You know what? You're not going through something bad or tough or tricky so God can mold you and shape you into a better person. Do you know how you become or you manifest that you are a better person? Through faith in Jesus Christ. You are one spirit with him. He dwells inside of you. You've been united with him. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. He who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You have been sanctified. You have been set apart. Do you know what difficulties and tribulations and pressure situations do? They give you occasion to manifest what's inside of you. They give you occasion to manifest the Christ that's in you. See, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of Zach. And I'm not going to learn it. I'm not going to learn how to do it but I am going to trust in him. And each and every situation, I'm going to find a new expression of him in me and through me in that situation. I'm going to find grace to help me in every situation. And the Christ inside of me is big enough to, to manifest through and express himself in every difficulty and hardship and problem. Therefore, the character that he's looking to mold in me is not to make me necessarily a more disciplined person, although that is a fruit of it. What he's looking to mold out of me is a character that's shaped by hope. He wants me to live hopeful. Isn't it Christ in you that is the hope of glory? It's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. That's the character Jesus wants developed in us. A faithful trust and a hope in him. That he inside of me is more than enough for every challenge. And he inside of us is more than enough for any challenge that we or the world itself even faces. Christ in us is the hope of glory for the world. Do do we believe that? That's crazy. Christ in us, the hope of glory for the whole world. Let's not cheapen our hope by hitching our wagons to things that ain't going to get us there. Hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. My hope is not going to disappoint me. If I put my hope and my trust and my faith and my expectation in Jesus Christ, it's rooted in his love for me. I know he loves me. He's coming through for me. He's already demonstrated it. He's already shown his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. If I look to the cross, I see, man, it's sealed in blood. It's already a done deal. It's a promise. It's ironclad. It's in the blood of Jesus. What he's promised me, he's coming through for me. I'm not going to be disappointed. The word of God says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. There's a but. He delivers us out of them all. Psalm 27, 13, David said, I would have lost heart. I would have become sick in heart. I would have become depressed. I would have fallen into despair. I would have been sick inwardly. Unless I believe this, that I would see the goodness of God. Not see the discipline of God, the harshness of God, the meanness or the judgment of God. But if I would would see the goodness of God. I believe I will see the goodness of God. And where? In the land of the living. In this world. In this life. I have an expectation that in this time, in this day, I'm going to see the goodness of God break through. If my hope is for the sweet by and by, which it is, I've got eternal life. I've got an eternal destiny forever and ever and ever. Praise God. Thank you. We all do. But you know what? God wants to manifest his life, his power, his goodness, his glory in this life. In this life, in the land of the living. 
These two places where I put my feet, God wants to manifest himself through in the here and in the now. And that's my hope. I mean, hope that's just in the by and by, that's great. But, you know, I, I want my friends, I want my neighbors, I, I want the community I live in now to see it. And if that means I'm going to hang in there in the midst of difficulty, I'm not going to give up. In due season, I will reap a harvest. And they will see it, and they will benefit from it here and now today, not just in the sweet by and by. So I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. So don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Hope's going to keep you healthy. It's going to help you to see opportunities that are around you that maybe you might not even see right now. Maybe you might, you know, your mind just might be totally closed off to it. Hope is going to reawaken in you an opportunity and, and an optimism, and you're going to see things through a different lens. Things that you thought were problems, there's going to be a silver lining, and God's going to show you the way out. Hope is practical. It's going to get you back in the game. We're not sitting and waiting for something to end. I'm not sitting in my life when I find myself boxed in. I'm not just sitting here taking it. You know, tribulation's inevitable, but he overcame the world. That means I'm going to overcome too. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. And my faith works. I'm going to pick something up that God's given me, and I'm going to push forward, and I'm going to keep moving. It might look a little bit different because I'm boxed in, but you know what? My feet are moving. My faith is in God. My eyes are on him, and I'm going to keep running my race. Nothing can stop me from that. The devil can throw all sorts of craziness your way, but he can't stop you walking with Jesus. So my prayer is this. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him. May the God of hope fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him. It's not fair. You know, you've cried out to God. You said, man, this isn't fair. I don't know why this is happening to me again. I don't know why this is still happening. This isn't right. This isn't fair. What I see in the world right now is not fair. But our faith is meant to be filled full of joy and peace. Not necessarily frustration and despair and anxiety. Joy and peace. That you may overflow with hope, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God's will for us. To live lives full of hope. So it's not fair. It's really not. Some things in life, not fair, hard, difficult, stinky. But, but, neither is the grace of God that's going to bust you out of it. You don't have to worry about that. There is a deliverer. There is a mighty one in your midst. He's going to lead you through. He's going to lead us through. Just like Pastor Carl said last week, there is an after this. Don't lose sight of your after this. Don't, don't, don't lose the vision. Don't lose vision for your life. If you cast off vision because you've got no hope, I tell you, that's an open door to all sorts of nonsense. Stay in the game. Stay engaged. Don't put down the things in your world. Don't put down the things that God's given you. Don't drop it. Pick it up. Pick it up. Hope of God says this is going to end. It's going to be over. Many are the afflictions. You know what? You're going to break through and you're going to encounter another one. <laughs> On to the next. But in every way, the Lord delivers us. Amen? Divine deliverance. Divine deliverance. There's a deliverer. Praise God. All right, let's stand up together if you can. I hope Grace It's Not Fair has been, uh, been good. We've got groups this week. If This is our last week of groups before uh, we, we take a break for Christmas. We're going to start our Christmas series next week. Uh, the theme this week, I think there's some promotional videos, but we're going to talk about uh, being home for Christmas. Home for Christmas. We thought it would be fitting for 2020. 
But uh, you know, we're, we're going to celebrate Jesus. He came and made his home amongst us. And the glorious news of the new covenant is he came and made his home inside of us. Come on. He's home for Christmas. But grace, it's not fair. It's not fair. Praise God, it's not fair. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to convince God to try to move on my behalf. I don't have to try and convince him I'm worthy of his delivering me. I don't have to convince him that, that he can just, oh God, if you'll just pour out your power for me. He stands ready, willing, and able. Ready, willing, and able. And if you can believe, all things are possible. All right, I don't think I know everybody here today, but I just always want to give an opportunity. If there's somebody here who's, who's never said to Jesus, I mean, Jesus Christ is the deliverer. He's the one who breaks us through. He's the way maker we were singing about. He's the miracle worker. He's the Lord. If you've never accepted Jesus before, if you've never invited him into your life and said, I want to follow you and I accept that you love me, I just want to give you a chance right now. Just pop up your hand right now, just nice and high, just as a way of saying, you know what, I believe. I believe. And I want to walk with you, Jesus. Thank you. Same with you guys online. You're watching. If you've never done that before, I just going to invite you all. Just pray with me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. You are my deliverer. You are my Savior. And come into my life. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. For everybody else, I just want to call the people up at the front. If there's people who are doing the prayer ministry today, if you want to get socially distanced prayer, you can't necessarily lay hands on, but you know what? It still works. The power of God is transferable. Jesus healed how many people in the Bible from a distance? Some people from miles away, right? So we got people up here if you want prayer. I think, I think the Holy Ghost can manage six feet. So there's prayer today. And uh, let's just all pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not fair. It's so not fair. And I'm so glad it's not fair. Father, I thank you that you love us so much. So you got a plan and a purpose no matter what we're going through right now, whatever difficulty, whatever tribulation, whatever pressure we feel ourselves in right now. God, I know you are our deliverer. You are the way maker. You are going to bust us through. You've got something better for us on the other side. When the devil tries to cram us in, Lord, you said, expand the place of your tents. Take out your 10 pegs. Make it bigger. I got a vision. I got a preferred vision for you. I've got a hope for you. I am your hope. So, Father, I thank you. I bless you. I thank you so much. And I just pray right now, Father, that you would direct our hearts into the love of God, into the perseverance of Christ, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, each one of us would live abounding in hope by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.